The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Esther Dillard and Doug Davis to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, the dynamic duo back in action, Doug and Esther. How have you been? Doing great. How are you? I love that. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Esther, how about you? Doing well. I'm doing well. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to the news. We won't keep the people waiting. Um, first off, let's start with the big story, the major conflict overseas. Uh, U.S. Senator Cory Booker and other Americans were caught in the eruption of the war between Israel and Palestine this week. There's been a lot of opinion surfacing about this conflict, including a very controversial commentary from the Chicago division of BLM. Esther, why don't you give us some details on the story first, and then Doug will follow up with you. Well, we what we know is uh, Senator Cory Booker was in Jerusalem, and uh, he said that he was jogging when Hamas attacks began. His ta- his team immediately contacted him on the phone and said, um, "Dude, get it back to the hotel." Mm-hmm. Um, where um, and from there he went into a bomb shelter where he says that there were many children and women and elderly and families all there waiting in fear of what was going to happen next. Um, then he, um, while he was out jogging before he got to this this bomb shelter, he put out a video message pretty much saying on Twitter, expressing his support for the Jewish people and the families. Um, and uh, after he was able to get out of that bomb shelter, he got home. I, I guess he was on the plane coming home that Sunday and um, was able to get back to the U.S., but in the video, he did express support for the Jewish families. Um, the initial attack from what we have gathered from reports is that there were some people at a, uh, it was like a, a, a outdoor event um, yeah. concert Festival. where yeah. 260 people were killed. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
basically um, after that massacre and all everyone from around the world giving support to people in Israel, uh, a number of different chapters, including um, from the Black Lives Matter movement, including one from Chicago, put out a something that, that was like a, a, a picture online which pretty much got a lot of harsh, harsh criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a picture of a person coming down in a parachute, mm-hmm. uh, sh- pretty much with a, uh, a Palestinian flag saying, we stand with Palestine, mm-hmm. or I stand with Palestine. Um, and as what we know of is that the par- paragliders were seen at that Triumba Nova music festival where Hamas was attacked and killed all those people and it even though it said i support palestine it kind of gave the message that they were in support of hamas Hamas, yeah right Right. so it got a lot of criticism you know this is where people were you know massacred children were beheaded it was it was was just horrific yeah so the blm chicago chapter took down the post but it has been a very tense week with people emphasizing empathizing, I guess I should say, with the Jewish people who were slaughtered. And now Israel is bombing Gaza. Many are empathizing with the innocent Palestinian people who are also being killed mm-hmm. because many are saying you can't say everyone in Palestine supports Hamas mm-hmm. because they don't. Right. Doug, let's get your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was kind of surprised that um, some black groups came out that strong. Uh, it's a travesty, period. It's a tragedy. Uh, it's a travesty. It's a tragedy. Black politicians are chiming in in a positive way, like you just heard. Uh, New York uh, Democratic Representative Gregory Meeks, who's a top gun on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, was uh, very vocal from the beginning, calling for emergency aid to Israel. Uh, he was also on CNN, stated that the U.S. has to work with Israel to make sure that we wipe out Hamas. So. Uh, you know, that we don't have this type of vicious attack again. Uh, retired Michigan Democrat Brenda Lawrence. Uh, says that the majority of black members of Congress have been in support of Israel. Ilhan Omar of uh, Minnesota sent out a tweet or an ex uh, that she condemned the horrific acts in Israel as well against the children, women and the elderly and the unharmed people who were slaughtered and taken hostage by Hamas. Just recently, uh, it's reported that Floyd Mayweather sending out a private jet full of supplies to help the Israeli people. He's also sending over bulletproof vests. Uh, so black celebs are definitely voicing their concern as well. So despite, you know, um, you know, what's going on with BLM and their stance, uh, we do see the majority of black Americans, you know, uh, supporting, uh, what's happening over there with the Israelis. It's a sad situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so, uh, if you haven't, uh, checked out yesterday's episode, I have a two part conversation with a documentary filmmaker, uh, a political correspondent, filmmaker, activist, writer, producer. He's a conservative man, but he's become a friend of mine, <laughs> funnily enough, because um, he's a fellow journalist and uh, he's Jewish. And so he spent a lot of time in the Middle East. He's actually infiltrated Hamas uh, in the past and got a chance to learn their ideology. And um, he gave me a lot of really uh, good insight into this conflict. Um, and I'm, I'm someone who knew nothing about it. And so, uh, if you want to check that out and learn along with me, 
um, exactly where this comes from and why both sides feel like this is their their war is justified. Um, he gives. I mean, he's a Jewish person, so obviously he uh, empathizes and sympathizes more with Israel. But the journalist in him at least allows an aperture into what the Palestinians might feel, feel how they might feel. And of course, there's a condemnation overall between both of us of Hamas and their tactics. Um, but in terms of the conflict, you know, that's a story that goes back thousands of years. And, um, you know, this is why, you know, in the nuance of, you know, people like BLM, there's a, there's some other celebrities, a handful that have come out in support of Palestine. Uh, I suspect that they have either ties to Islam or Muslim themselves or, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, while the majority of visible people that I've seen are really coming out saying they stand with Israel, there are some people that, uh, feel like, uh, Israel may be the aggressor or, you know, some, whatever the, whatever the story is, Ami certainly helped me, uh, get to the bottom of it. So again, check out yesterday's episode with Ami Horowitz, and then we have a follow-up episode coming out, I believe early next week. So, um, I learned a ton and I promise you don't want to miss out on that. So, wow. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I Another just news. wonder, you know, oh, good. oh, I'm sorry, but you know, I'm just curious, did he, equate all of the palestinian people with hamas i mean it just that's not, the not main thing that i <laughs> think things. people are doing is that they're painting the broad brush that sure. all the palestinian sure. people are hamas and they're not yeah i'm glad you brought that up so two things first thing he wouldn't do that um and second thing nobody would do that when i'm the person in charge of the microphone so um no absolutely not there is a distinction between uh our Muslim brothers and sisters, I've spent, I grew up with Jewish people and I've spent a lot of time around Muslim people. I've been to the Middle East, a ton of countries over there. I know that Islam is a religion of peace. And I know that there are these fringe actors that, uh, that fly the, the, the flag of Islam, if you will. Um, it, and, it, and the equivalency, the, 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 it would be the equivalent of having the Ku Klux Klan represent Christianity, right? There's just a fringe group that espouse one or two biblical ideologies and ignore the rest um, for their own purposes, right? And so uh, Hamas, I want to say it the right way, um, is one of these fringe groups. And I would never allow anybody to conflate uh, uh, Muslims with uh, Hamas. It is, it is not a real thing. Um, there are people who worship the way that they worship good people. They love their, <laughs> their, uh, Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, and they recognize and respect the fact that they worship differently. And there's a, a significant number of people in the population, but the governmental agencies uh, and the people in power there, because there's not a lot of um, uh, political uh, structure um, that is firmly established in the region, you know, the power is always shifting between one country and the next. Um, it leaves gaps for these radical factions to seize power and impose their ideology onto what we perceive of as the population when the fact of the matter is the population does not feel that way entirely some of course are indoctrinated um many are not and unfortunately they are represented wholly by uh these radical factions it'd be like donald trump representing ramses Ja. it's not a real thing Ram he doesn't represent ramses whatsoever but he's the leader once upon a time was the leader of this country. And so I want to always make sure that people know the distinction there uh, that the human beings 
are special and valuable. And, and again, if I have a microphone in the audience, I will always call them my brothers and my sisters, regardless of how they worship. Um, yes, of course. So moving on, um, uh, in other news, Omarosa is back somehow. Um, <laughs> the former white house aide is, uh, sharing some not very supportive comments about former president Donald Trump. Um, and, uh, Doug, we'll, we'll start off with you this time. Let's let you tell the story and then we'll follow up with you, Esther. Right. First, let me give a shameless plug out to my HBCU alma mater, Central State University, where Rosa went to school first. Um, The next year, when I graduated, the next year she enrolled. So I never had a chance to meet her, but she is an HBCU grad. But, you know, she, like myself, journeyed through the mass comm department. So shout out to Turk Logan, my mentor. Anyway, uh, the former (laughs) Trump (laughs) White House aide and reality star cast member, uh Amorosa is currently on tour to promote the show House of Villains. So I think mm-hmm. that's why uh she popped up. That's right. You're right. And she's dropping some bombs about, you know, the former president. She did it on Entertainment Tonight. She said that she regrets ever working with him, saying she fell for a con man when she appeared on The Apprentice. She said she uh realized that he turned out to be the biggest fraud. And she went on to say that her and the other contestants were young entrepreneurs thinking they were really going to learn something from this brilliant businessman. But all they learned uh, was not the art of the deal, but the, but the art of the con. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She said some pretty rough things about about uh, the former president. Um, Esther, let's get your thoughts. Oh, my take is Amarosa um, has had a checkered past when it comes to her relationship with Trump. Mm-hmm. She currently is speaking out against Trump on the, in this latest interview, but many people do remember the video where she spoke out in support of Trump saying, and I'm reading part of her quote from the video. She said, every critic, every detractor will have to bow down to President Trump. It's mm. everyone who's ever doubted Tr- Donald, whoever disagreed, whoever challenged him, it is the ultimate revenge. Mm. And I think that those words, I think, are going to probably haunt her forever because <laughs> even though she is speaking out against him and it appears just by virtue that she is on a show called the house of villains and has written a book about her new opinion of him. Um, some are critical of her criticism and it looks like an opportunity to sell things. Yep. Good point. This show is sponsored by better help. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Information Network news anchors Esther Dillard and Doug Davis are here with us discussing this week's major stories. Okay, sad news on the HBCU front uh, as both Bowie State and Morgan State made headlines over the past week with incidents of violence. Esther, take us through these stories and then Doug will come to you next. Well, the Bowie State situation, classes were canceled um, for the rest of the week at Bowie State University in Maryland after a shooting um, during the school's homecoming festivities. Um, this was like, I believe, Saturday night. S- you know, school officials told the media that they, they're going to allow the students this break um, because faculty and staff really just need to address their mental well-being. NBC Washington reported that there were two 19-year-olds, that not students, who were shot and wounded on October 7th. Um, This is just a few days after five people were shot on October 3rd during um, homecoming events at Morgan State. Both are HBCUs. Mm -hmm. No one was arrested in either case, but there are pictures circulating on on the news, various news channels of people of interest that the police may want to talk to that may have been involved. And in the meantime, officials at Morgan State say that they are going to build a wall around the university in Baltimore they want to put security officers at the entrances and exits of that wall. And according to university president, David Wilson, um, this wall would be about 8,000 feet to encircle 90% of the campus just to increase security for students who are going there. Um, there's a lot of parents who, you know, when they got that phone call that their child was even on campus, even if they weren't right in the vicinity of what where the shooting happened, they're like, I want to get yank my kid from this university because sure. they're not keeping people safe. And so I believe that's the reason why there was such a big response from 
um, administrators at both HBCUs to try to um, increase security. Yeah, yeah. Doug, your thoughts? Well, you know, what we're seeing, in my opinion, is a direct result and reflection of what's happening in our communities. You know, black or white, bullets see no color. The violence that's going on uh, in nearby Baltimore is a reflection, again, of what's happening in our urban cities nationwide. And according to CBS News, if I can kind of chime in on what Esther uh, finalized in her comment, that project for the wall is going to cost the university about $6.4 million. Mm -hmm. And he was quoted as saying that we're doing this, let me be clear, not to keep our neighbors and community out, but we're doing this to keep out the bad actors. So it's a sad day when you have to build a, a wall around a university. Uh, I feel the biggest underlying issue, um, despite the obvious of what we're seeing, is mental health, gun violence, young black men, um, mass shootings. Unfortunately, they happen every day. Uh, we hear of campus shootings, you know, unfortunately, quite regularly. But when we start seeing black folks shoot up Juneteenth festivals and, you know, Friday night high school football games or on HBCU campuses, uh, there seems to be a disregard and disrespect for just, you know, basic respect. You know, um, yeah. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate to sound cliche, but we got to do better. Period. Black people, yeah. please get involved in the lives of our young people, whether you're their people, quote unquote, or not. You know, there's um, something interesting here that what what people are trying to do is sort of conflate um, the mass shootings that we know of and like that have been more visible in recent years where a often enough lone gunman will go into a crowd of people and fire indiscriminately and try to end as many lives as possible. And um more targeted um while they're technically mass shootings um their incidents of violence uh kind of akin to what you described doug where um it could be gang violence or you know street beefs that sort of stuff and a person goes and is shooting at a specific group of people and they're being shot back you know that sort of thing where um multiple people could get could get hit and um the nature of these crimes is very different, but the fact of the matter is that at a point there's a degree of accountability that comes into play and it is irrefutable. And, and I like what you said, Doug, we, we, we have to do better. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of people who know a lot more about what that looks like and how to get there. Um, so I'll leave that conversation for the, you know, the folks that really have, um, some really good ideas on how to really reorient the spirit of young black often enough men in this country um and you know to your point about excuse me mental health and um other factors that contribute to these sorts of things um again there's a lot to be said about all of it but um well, Ramses, point, if i can make a quick comment if please, you don't yeah. mind i just recently did some research on a story regarding black male teachers mm -hmm. and statistics show you know, when black men are involved in black kids' lives mm -hmm. at school, uh, the opportunity for higher education and good grades and involvement, like almost triples, mm -hmm. you know. So I think regardless of, let's say, some of the structural issues that we face in our communities, I still believe in this may sound corny, uh, but love overrules everything. Oh, yeah. And so that love, if it doesn't happen at home, it can start in our classrooms. Yeah. And so... You know, I feel like the trajectory of our kids 
uh, we as black adults are responsible at the end of the day, that might be a bold statement, but we're responsible. Who else are they going to get information from? Who else are they going to look to for guidance? But when we're scared to go to the gas station around the corner, because little Jojo might stick us up because my girlfriend got stuck up last week, then we start to disengage ourselves. And then our kids are left on their own, coming up with their own conclusions. When if someone rose above what they see and walked in faith and in love, you have the opportunity now to change somebody's life. And I feel Absolutely. like that's what we need as a people to do more. Esther, I feel like you wanted to uh, chime in there. No, no, I, I, I totally get what he is trying to say. And I, it's going to take community to make the change. Um, you know, I think that sometimes the, you know, and I, it's probably no fault of their own. You know, you've got a lot of universities. I used to work at a a college where you've got very strained staff, uh, and you don't have as many people as you you could to try to reach out to the community and make it a community school versus just you know their own little space uh, for the students. And, um, you know, I'm sure that there are going to be efforts on their part to try and get more um, of the community involved in kids' lives, um, not only on campus, but off campus. You know, that those feeder schools that go to those schools, you know, in high school and the elementary school, all those areas so that um, you have more children that are exposed to, you know, um, this this. This group of of educated black folks that really are trying to make a difference and that they feel like that they can be a part of that as well. Because I think that a lot of the kids who may grow up in some areas, um, you know, I grew up on east side of Buffalo, wasn't the, you know, most great area. Uh, and a lot of kids did not feel like um, they had anywhere that they could go, you know, or where they didn't have a future but if they are connected to other people who they see as great examples, then they can they can move forward and feel like that they can move forward and they have opportunity um, given to them. Um, and I think that that's you know that's just a, that's just piggybacking off of what. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think you're both right. I, I I remember reading a study. First thing I want to do is I want to make sure that I um, as often as this. Uh, narrative comes up that black men are are not good fathers and we're absent and that sort of stuff. I always, always push back against that since the CDC debunked that myth in 2013, black men are excellent fathers and we are present. We do have issues, but um, according to data and statistics, we're doing better than every other race. Um, those are facts. And that's not Rams is talking. That's the CDC. But I also want to add to, I think both of your points, but Doug, you made the point first, the presence of, men shapes outcomes for the lives of children in every metric that we value in our society. Uh, If a man is present, um, the results are virtually the same in a a household. The results in terms of the children are virtually the same uh, if it's a single father or if it's a two-parent household. Um, The results are very compromised when it's just single mother household. In other words, the uh, importance of a man and a man's influence in the life of a child cannot be understated or cannot be overstated. That's what I mean to say. So a sad situation all around. Um, I, I do want to uh, add that uh, Mark Cummings, 
Uh, Bowie State's police chief and director of public safety said last week that the university would deploy more unarmed and armed officers on campus. Security teams would be out on bikes and have walking beats. Metal detectors and security wands would be at homecoming events. And he also said security cameras would be upgraded and enhanced and more lights would be installed in dark areas around campus. Hopefully those things will make it safer, but it's, you know, there's a lot that we could do before we get to this point. Um, and uh, it, us knowing about these sorts of incidents sort of helps inform us and inform our path forward. So um, I appreciate both of you guys' insight into um the story, not only the story, but um, where we go from here. Uh, moving on, finally, there's a new survey out that reveals some interesting details on Black people and their distrust of media. Um, so, Doug, let's get some more info on the story from you, and then Esther, we're going to come to you next. Sure. Well, I tell you, uh, the term fake news that former President Trump created sticks with Black folks. Uh, hmm. and History will tell you that, you know, for good reason. Yeah. Uh, and the Pew Research Center recently dropped a survey called Black Americans Experiences with News. And first and foremost, uh, the study revealed that most media outlets failed to live up to its promise of diversity, equity and inclusion following the racial justice protests of 2020. So it tells us that Black Americans perception of how media views us is pretty much the same old, same old. Mm -hmm. uh, 63 percent of Black Americans surveyed believe that uh, we are seen in a negative light compared to other ethnicities. Only 14% say they are highly confident uh, uh, on a really good um, story that it's delivered the way it should be. But on a good note, I'll say the survey finds that black journalists uh, are better in the field of news than uh, their white counterparts uh, when it comes to covering issues revolving around race and discrimination. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, the survey says that black news <clears throat> people are starting to have more control uh, in the newsroom and are elevated to higher positions, but the present has yet to be felt when it comes out of the television screen, radio sure. speakers or website. And if you pay attention to news, you'll see that that's true. Esther, your thoughts. Well, my take is um, likely this won't change until newsrooms become more diverse. And mm. there's a commitment to covering news with added perspectives. Um, in 2018, Pew Research released a report saying that more than three quarters or 77% of newsroom employees who work for, work as reporters, editors, photographers, videographers um, in newspapers, news broadcasting, internet publishing industries are non-Hispanic whites. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that about, I'd say, according to more recent research, Zipia.com says only 6.4% of journalists are black or African-American. Mm. And that's out of currently 6,047 journalists here employed in the United States. So I think that some of it has to do with who is in the newsroom being assigned the stories or, you know, coming up with stories because um, it, it shows when you have a diverse, a number of people, including women, Hispanics, black, you know, all different uh, nationalities that you're going to have different perspectives and you'll get a different kind of uh, of news on the air so we'll sure. have a different um viewpoint so that's why i think that you know the black information network is so important yeah. because it does provide a different perspective than um the traditional um newsroom exactly and and uh the uh the curator of the news chris thompson um he's another one of those people that 
make sure that we're talking about the stuff that's relevant. So, um, yeah, we got a, we got a good thing here. Um, and you know, it's, it's always a joy to have these conversations with, with you two. You're two, both at the, the top of your field, always, uh, brilliant takes and very insightful. If yeah. I can add this into, and yes, you know, the complexion of the newsroom must change, but it mm-hmm. also has to uh, change even higher, you know, from the corporate level, from the presidential level. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know a few black radio general, I'm sorry, television general managers, mm-hmm. you know, who were over some pretty big, you know, uh, television outlets. And I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I can tell. Oh, yeah. It's not that they cover more black stories. But when they do, it's got a different feel yep. than if I watch another local, uh, you know, news program. So, yes, the newsroom's got to change, but the culture's got to change. And typically yeah. that starts from the leader and mm-hmm. then it just goes down, you know, to that newsroom. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is part of why I wanted to, you know, shout out uh, Chris. And and obviously it goes um, even higher exactly. still. But right. the fact is, is that, yeah, having um, people that allow the journalists to provide, you know, context and to like really flesh out different parts of the story that really help paint a fuller picture. Um, Those things are mission critical. And I don't want us to pat ourselves on the back too much here, but um, I, I, I feel very special to be a part of, you know, the black information network and to be able to do this, this show with, like I said, two of the, the finest in their field, um, and, you know, to have these conversations is is definitely a, a very special part of my life. So with that in mind, I'd like to thank you both very much for your insight. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Esther Dillard and Doug Davis. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media, and I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cypher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccypher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. 
You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.